But I must tell you a little story. Yesterday morning when I was out for my morning constitutional, there's a lady, I guess, I don't know, everyone's young compared to me these days, but she was somewhere in a, probably her late 30s, and I've seen her before, and she has a big white dog, and she usually, we used to run past one another, and I, one morning I stopped and said good morning, I can't work out why, but we exchanged names, and this is probably nine months ago. Since then, a couple of times it's been good morning. Anyway, a month ago, or three weeks ago, she was walking, and I was walking, because I had not been that well, and uh, she said, you're walking. I said, yeah, I've had the flu. I'm just trying to be smart, not run too hard, too fast. I said, what about you? She said, oh, I've got this thing with my foot. It's really, really bad. Now, there's a technical term for it, but it's a podiatry term, and I'm not one, so I won't try and make it up. But it's a very sore foot. And she said, um, I said, oh, that's no good. And uh, anyway, that was three or four weeks ago. And yesterday morning, as I'm not too far from where I saw Kirk this morning, she was still walking and um, I pulled up and I said, how are you? She said, oh, this foot is really, really bad. And I said, oh, that's no good. She said, I've tried everything. She said, I've tried this and that and physio and, and uh, I said, have you tried prayer? I said, and as she was kind of taking a step back, I said, look, I'm a Christian and I pray for things that are broken and ask God to fix them. And if you're, if you're okay, I'd be happy to pray for your foot. She said, well, I suppose it's worth a try. So... I leant down and put my hand on the inside of a foot and I prayed and I said, Lord, these are only words unless your power comes. And with that, her dog who was standing there shot off like a rocket. The dog saw the spirit of God come and got a fright and took off. And so she's running after the dog and she said, I'll let you know how it is. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing her again to see if she's healed or the dog sort of interrupted the flow of what the Lord was doing. But anyway, so that was yesterday morning when I was going for a walk. Um, the, uh, I, I love it when I come to church and if I'm going to speak, I know what God's put on my heart to share. And I don't talk to the worship team about it or anybody else. It's just something that God's given me to share. And this morning, I was just blown away and blessed, and you will be, or you have been already, with what the Lord has done. And the whole sense of the exchange that Kirk spoke of is pretty much on the money for what I feel like the Lord's got on his heart today. Um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to John 15. just happens to be one of my favourite scriptures. It wasn't for that reason that I went there, but the Lord told me to go there to hear what he had to say. John 15, I'm going to read from verse 18 through to 27, and then the end of John 16. And I'll use the NIV because most people have that. And it starts off by Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says these words, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you? No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one, capital O, the Father, who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, 
they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counsellor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then in, verse, in chapter 16, verses 25 to 33, Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. And that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you'll be scattered, each to his own home. You'll leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen? Amen is right. I just want to share some words the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago in the middle of an incredible spiritual battle, and I'm going to give you some of the, the picture about that because I believe that's what the Lord wants me to say today. In the middle of this battle, the Lord said to me, as clearly as you can hear my voice now, David, the world is not your friend. I am your friend. I have overcome the world. And it was, a, it was I needed to hear that that morning at about 3 o'clock it was, there was an incredible victory that flowed to me, a peace that entered my soul as I came to a place of refreshing with the Lord. Because the enemy had been tormenting me with noise about life and its outcomes, now and into the future and even into eternity. What was happening was that the noise from the enemy was trying to shut out the voice of God. It was trying to not have me have a, a flow of communion and communication with God and this noise was constant it wasn't a band playing it was just static as I would call it from the world thoughts things that were important in the day-to-day -day worldly events but not necessarily words that I was having in a conversation with God Jesus easy conversation with me was being blocked and interfered with and so too the Father's conversations with me. And the enemy had started telling me this thing, things that were lies. You know, the enemy's got a voice too. I just want to stop and say that. The voices you hear are sometimes not God's voice. 
the enemy loves to talk to you and he's, he's very seductive. He spoke to Jesus when he went into the desert, you'll remember. So the enemy has a voice and he'll try to mimic the voice of God to you. So you need to listen for what's being said to discern whether it's God's voice or the enemy's voice. The enemy will say things that sound like God sometimes, but they're not God because they are not consistent with what Jesus has revealed to us in who the Father is. Are you getting that? It's really, really, really important. We probably don't talk about it enough, but it's a fact. And what often happens as the fruit of those words from the enemy to us, we start to pray soulish things rather than spirit-led things. Because what happens is we get an idea that we think is from God that we should pray for or pray about. And it's usually very important to us. So we go, yeah, that's you, Lord. And it's a soulish request that is born out of the enemy's camp rather than a revelation out of God that speaks to our spirit that causes us to then ask God for the things that Jesus said we could ask for and that we'd get. Okay? Just thought that was worth important to say. So the enemy was interrupting my conversation with God and was pushing in and pushing in in such a way that he was causing this disruption with the voice of the father to me and me to the father I could I could speak I was speaking but I wasn't hearing God's voice back and I and that I live that way I need to hear the voice of God I need to hear the Holy Spirit I need to be connected all the time there's a story about Smith Wigglesworth that once was being driven along he's a, an old now gone to be the Lord uh, guy that loved the Lord and he was being driven along and he said to the driver stop and the guy stopped and he said what's up he said I, I haven't thought about the Lord for at least 15 minutes you know his life was being communion with God all the time and he was used powerfully by God but anyway the enemy's hammering away at me and I began to question myself he's he's he I'm, I'm doing a review before God about my life and again, he was relentless with a whole array of accusations, you know. You're not caring enough. You forgot to say that nice thing to that person, you know. When you had the opportunity to bless that person, you didn't do it. You know, you got out of bed on the wrong side this morning. There's only one side I can get out. So, you know, you know that's a lie. Um, but, you know, there's all these, these little niggles that were hammering, 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 hammering. And it wasn't much fun. It was a massive assault. And I know that it sounds stupid, but I began to think there was something wrong with my relationship with God. That was what he was after. I was entertaining the accusations of the enemy as having some validity. In the face of the truth of scripture, which clearly tells me that Jesus has made me okay with God. Note this. It's not me that makes me okay with God. It's God that makes me okay with God. You want to say that? It's not me that makes me okay with God. It's God that makes me okay with God. You get it? What the enemy wants to do is say, you're not okay with God because of what you've done. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with God. He's done what needs to be done for me to be okay with him. I've known this. I've believed it for 60 of my 69 years, and I've probably preached it a thousand times in the 50 years. But I know it, and yet the enemy was still hammering away at that and started to drag me away from the truth. That's a powerful drag. When I know that I know that it's wrong, 
I was still being dragged. Because my life experiences were starting to let me have a worldview that says, well, maybe I've missed something. Maybe I've dropped the ball because these circumstances don't look like God's circumstances for my life. I was interacting with the world rather than interacting with the word. This push from the enemy was different from past battles I've had. And the purpose of it was to take my mind off what God had put on my mind. God had spoken to me about a particular prayer assignment, which I haven't shared with many people, but it was, you know that cartoon where you see the bloke in the swamp with the alligator swimming around his backside and the sign says, it's hard to remember that the assignment was to drain the swamp when you're up to your backside and alligators. That's how it felt for me, you know. I was called to drain the swamp and all of a sudden there's all these alligators and I got my mind off draining the swamp onto the alligators. It's a reasonable thing to do when they're coming at you. And that was the sense I had. You haven't even seen that cartoon? It's a great cartoon. Sorry? It's a business cartoon. Okay, sorry. It's been around a long, long time. Anyway, so, that, but that was my situation. My mind was being taken away from the assignment of prayer onto what the enemy was doing around me. And it was in this time that the Lord had spoken to me these things and this is what the enemy was trying to take me away from and I believe it's what I meant to share with you this was it the Lord said it is time to declutter your life choose to focus on Jesus not on the world to wake up to the world's seduction rebellion and witchcraft and to pray, and this is the key, you're doing that so that you can come to this place of praying for revival. Now, I've been a Christian, as I said, for 50, 60 years, and I've never felt a call from God to pray for revival. Other people have, but I've never felt it. I've never had it. I've prayed for renewal. I've prayed for people to be healed. I've prayed for the word of God to go out. I've prayed all sorts of things. But this is a revival that I felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me that's if you like the end time revival bigger than we've ever seen anywhere on the earth before and it's time to pray now and it was like oh and I told Carol and a few people but it was like yeah okay and I didn't I hadn't really I, I mean I knew it was significant in that the Lord really spoke it to me and I'm going Lord I'm not sure how this works for me whether it's something just for me to pray quietly about or do I share this how does, where's it sit but the word was strong and clear to pray for revival in a way I've never felt it before. And to call the body, the disciples of Jesus, to declutter, to get set, to focus on Jesus, not the world. To wake up to the fact that the world is not our friend. And pray for revival in the Holy Spirit. A mass sweeping revival like the world has never seen. And you know what? Only by the power of the Spirit of God will that happen. If you and I, each one of us, went out and tried to knock on a new door every day, we wouldn't get what God can do by his Spirit. But he's, I believe, asking us to join with his Spirit and call on him to sweep through the earth and touch lives for Jesus. 
Your way, O oh God. Your way, O oh God. And then whammo, I got sick. I'm getting, I'm getting all these ducks in line in my mind, in my heart, in my head, and I'm ready to start praying. And then I got sick, and it was about two days before the end of August because I'd been saying, guess what, I've been through winter and I've been running every day. I feel fantastic. I've never been this well in my life before. And then bang, I got bronchitis and the flu. Never had bronchitis in my life before. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't walk, let alone run. And so I started to feel quite ordinary. <clears throat> and then the spiritual attack came with this whole, it was the worst I've ever had. I can honestly say I've never had one quite as bad in the sense of a battle for my, my soul. But praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit rescued me. The final spiritual encounter in this battle, I want to share it with you. Because it, it really kind of opened my eyes to something that I again thought I knew, but it was a greater revelation of what Jesus has done for me. <clears throat> the, the thing the enemy was working on having me believe was that I could be eternally disconnected from God. I wasn't worried about this side of passing out of this life, but I have a very strong desire to be in company with God for eternity. And the enemy was telling me that that wasn't going to happen. See, you can't hear the voice like you used to. Um, and in fact, it's going to get to the point where it will stop. And at your death, it will stop. Now, I didn't think I was going to die straight away, but I, it was a threat. And it was a threat that my communion with God was going to be shut down. And I tell you, I have never felt such anguish of soul as I felt in that moment. But then Jesus, I, I was crying out, I'm saying, Lord, help, 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 you know. And I was getting no answer. And then suddenly the voice of the Lord came in and said, David, the world is not your friend. I'm your friend and I've overcome the world. And, and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I asked the Holy Spirit to just wash over me. This was about three o'clock in the morning. And, and, and my soul began to find it's peace again. But what also happened was that Jesus pointed me to these scriptures that we read this morning. And it was before his crucifixion he said that the world hated him and it would hate us too. Now we don't sort of talk about that much because it's not a nice thing to talk about. But what the Lord was showing me in this was this is a part of how the enemy, the world, wants to attack us wants to disqualify us, wants to discredit us, wants to take our peace away, wants to show us threats. And, and this, the word that happened this morning here, what, what blessed the socks off me when Kirk said it's a, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, to know the hope. Because the enemy was trying to rob us of hope. He was trying to rob me of that. But more than that, I, he was trying to rob me of my understanding of my relationship with the Father into eternity, the Father and Jesus. And then the Lord showed me his word and brought me back to his word and said these things that I read to you this morning. And my soul became refreshed again. The world hated him. The world is under the power of the enemy. And Corey made the point. There will never be world peace until Jesus returns because the world is subject to the sovereignty of the enemy. 
until Jesus comes and takes it all back. Jesus has broken into that space and given us authority to stand in the victory because Jesus has what? Overcome the world. But guess what? Jesus has assigned us to be what? The overcomers. So we're meant to walk in Jesus' shadow, if you will, and overcome the world. How do we do that? In prayer, in crying out for the word of the Lord to be manifest through us, in us, and out from us to those around about us. And the ones we can't touch with our hands, we can touch with prayer led by the Holy Spirit. Not soulish prayers, but spirit-led prayers. That's how we walk in the footsteps of Jesus and overcome the world. And we're called to that. The, the, the part of the story that I think Jesus wants to emphasise in those readings, particularly in John 16, is he emphasises the difficulties, but he connects the disciples to him and so through him to the Father. He says... You're connected to me and I'm connected to the Father and so therefore you're connected to the Father. The world, read the broken, Satan-dominated world, is now conquered. So Jesus says, believe, connect to me and so to the Father and the Holy Spirit, John 15 and 16, and you will overcome the world. But probably the, the greatest revelation I got in this whole encounter was the one that just really blew me away. And that was that in this threat of separation and the anguish I felt, Jesus told me that's what he experienced for me on the cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've read that, I've thought that, I've said, oh yeah. But I just got the smallest taste of what it was like to be separated from God in this fight that I was having. And I thought, Lord, I, I started to cry. How could you, the Son of God, who's been with the Father since from begin, before the beginning to now, come to this place and be willing to go to the cross and have a time of separation from the Father in the totality of a darkness and no communication with the Father. <clears throat> That's what Jesus suffered so that we don't have to. I, I can't get my head around the anguish of soul that Jesus would have felt at that time. I just can't. Now that I had a a threat and a taste of it and how important it is to me in my brokenness in my kind of walk with the Lord to have to have a sense of realizing that Jesus actually went through from full communion to blackness I could not wish that on my worst enemy I don't think I've got too many but there's probably some but I couldn't I could not wish that on my worst enemy that they would have an eternal time, eternity, like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and not be able to hear the voice of God. That is what's going to drive me to pray for revival. Because I don't want anybody that I know or know of 
to be in that place for eternity. It's unconscionable. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words mean so much more to me, having had this encounter with the Lord the way it was and with the enemy. Jesus tasted the pain of separation, so I won't have to go there forever. And so it's with more resolve that I now say, it's time to pray for revival. It's time to cry out for the Holy Spirit to touch this land with the power of God to change and bring alive the destiny to which we were released from God to be a nation of the Holy Spirit for God to reach out into the world from here to the rest of the world. Our day is here to overcome in Jesus. Jesus says it's time to gird up your loins, to declutter, to get rid of spiritual stuff that and, and, and stuff in your spirit, stuff in your heart, stuff in your head that gets in the road of being able to have the focus of your focus be Jesus. Now, I'm not picking on you. I'm offering you something. I'm offering you an exchange, which was the word used earlier. An exchange from the things of the world that want to hold your attention. Declutter. It doesn't mean you don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. But it means don't let that own your mind. Let your mind be owned by the treasure and the joy of the communion and the relationship with God who wants to give that to you in greater measure by his spirit now and every day. But the enemy comes in and feeds in all this garbage that's important in the worldly sense but as means nothing in eternity. That's what happens. That's life. That's life in this planet Earth while the enemy is the enemy and has control of the Earth. And he just keeps feeding all this garbage out into the... There's, a, there's, a, um, there's an ad on TV. I think it's on UK TV. Um, I like to watch some of the UK TV midsummer murder stuff, you know? It's, it's not bad murders, you know? <laughs> they're, they're, they're nice murders on, on, on British television. Not as gory as American murders. Anyway... So uh, in, in, there's, there's an ad on there for BBC TV and it shows all the, the, um, the radio waves in the air. And, and right here in this place right now, there's a fog of radio waves. There really is. There's gazillions of them all over the place. Every one of your phones is sending a pulse out right now and receiving one. And this is going on and this shows all this in the thing and it's like, yeah, that's the noise of the world that wants to come and attack us. I'm not picking on Facebook when I say that. But what I am saying is that there's a lot of flack that is of the world, by the world, for the world, and it's really not there to bless us. We use it, and it's important. But don't let it use you and become too important, is the invitation of the Lord today. So declutter. The battle is getting hotter. Jesus has won, and he's inviting us into his victory but the other thing that's important, and again it was spoken of this morning, and, it's, and it's, I think we sang it actually. You can tell I'm getting old. My memory is I can't remember whether we sang it or spoke it, but, and whether it was up there or whether it was just in here. But there was a bit about our, our testifying, our speaking of, of our journey with Jesus. And that's what Jesus says. He said that we need to testify. We need to share 
what he has done with us and through us. The evidence of our testimony is important. Verse 27 in 15. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Okay? It's not stay silent, it's testify of our life experience with Jesus. Speak it out. As part of revival, I believe that's a part of what it is for us to do. Just talk Jesus to people. They can either say, shut up, you're an idiot, or walk away, or listen. Doesn't matter. If they say shut up and walk away, they've missed an opportunity. Now, you know, we have um, lots of coffee. I have lots of coffee. I go to a coffee shop at least twice a day, whether I need it or not, and usually in the morning about 9 o'clock and then about 2 o'clock. And so there's a lot of ladies in coffee shops that we have, uh, that I have a relationship with in a normal way and uh, in a healthy way, I hope. <laughs> but I chat to them and they seem to enjoy those conversations and I talk about all sorts of stuff but I always make a point as I leave of saying God bless have a good day and they all say thank you and they wave back now there's a platform that God is establishing so that when I pray I can pray for them they don't know what's going on behind the scenes they don't know whether Jesus knows them or whether they know Jesus but I know that the Lord died for them and they're part of a circle of people that I'm praying will come to know Jesus Find a circle of people to pray for that will come to know Jesus. I just suggest that. And there'll be an opportunity for you to testify about Jesus. So today's invitation is come alive to Jesus. The world wants you to be alive to it. Time, energy and effort. Rather than come alive to the world, come alive to God fully decluttered now what is it that clutters your mind I have absolutely no idea that's between you your mind and God but I feel like this morning the Lord is saying it's an opportunity to do a decluttering it's this exchange that was spoken about exchange the clutter of what's causing your mind to be busy about the things of the world and say I don't want that anymore I want to have the focus of my focus be Jesus. Let the focus of your focus be Jesus. Now, that's not going to be a magic wand. Since I've had this encounter with the Lord, the enemy likes to sneak up in the middle of my conversations with God and drop in something, you know, about work or another event. And I, start, and I go, hang on a minute. Whoop, I start going down there. I go, hang on. That's not you, Lord. Thank you that you've shown me that you want to talk to me about something else or we can have a chat about something else. Then there's a time the Lord says, you do need to think about that, David. Go away and think about that. Work on it, you know. You've got to fix that up in, in a commercial sense. I'm not saying we shut that out. What I am saying is we give God the sovereignty of our mind and our heart when we focus on Jesus and he will then set the agenda, Okay. Let him set the agenda, not the enemy, not the world. Now, we come to church on a Sunday for a couple of hours and maybe we meet in kinship through the week for a few hours. 
that's kind of five or six hours in a week. The enemy's got all the rest of the time if we don't take time back off him in our daily devotion and in our conscious choice to say, I am choosing to let the focus of my focus today be Jesus. Your call. But it changes your life. And I believe it's a season for change. It's a season to exchange, as Kirk said earlier, and choose to come fully alive to God. Today is the day of a new beginning where we can come alive in a decluttered way and enjoy a conversation with God. You know, I talk to the Lord about all sorts of silly stuff. He doesn't seem to mind. He doesn't seem to mind, you know. And, and in, <laughs> some of it is really quite infantile, really. I'm just sharing some of my heart with you when I say that. You know, I, I, I sing silly songs to the Lord when I go for a walk in the morning, you know, like nursery rhyme type songs, you know. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round, as I'm running up the hill, you know. And the wheels on the bus get slower now, slower now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give me more energy in my feet. Holy Spirit, more energy in my feet. I sing that sort of stuff to God. I come home and I'm tired, I've done a workout. I enjoy that time with the Lord and he enjoys it with me. I know he does. He tells me he does. So I'm not saying this is a formal get up in the morning, put on your religious hat and sit at the desk. Take that away. Get up in the morning and go, wow, Lord, what a day. Can we have a good day together, Lord? I don't want to be dealing with all the rubbish that I think is out there. I just want to have a good day with you. And that, that's, that's what the invitation of the Lord is for all of us. You hearing me? Good. Because that's it. Done. <laughs>